Dr. Ward Bond Show is sponsored by the Whitfield Media Group. You're listening to the Dr. Ward Bond Show, the fastest growing natural health, nutrition, and inspiration radio show in the nation. Uplifting stories, powerful messages, and triumph over adversity. The experience of entertainment and encouragement is about to begin. And now your host, Dr. Ward Bond. Welcome everyone to today's program. It's all about health today with an inside look at the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, as we have an insider with us, Dr. Richard Williams, who will give us an inside look of the red tape, the laziness of the FDA, and did you know that the meat you are eating may not be real? Seems like the FDA is more smoke and mirrors than actually looking out for your health. I'm trying to figure out who owns who. Does the FDA really regulate Big Pharma, or does Big Pharma own the FDA? Now, you're going to need to hold on to your hat for this interview, ladies and gentlemen, because we're, you're going to laugh, but you're going to be angry, too. And we have the right to be angry with the nonsense America has been going through for the last two years. And also, later in the program, I'll be doing a short nutritional teaching for those of you who are dealing with scalp problems and the side effects of hair loss. And I'll be right back after these messages. Are your sinuses sensitive to everything? Do you suffer with seasonal allergies? Primrose Leaf's Breathe Q Plus supports sinus and respiratory health, balance the immune system in hypersensitive individuals, promotes normal mucous membrane function, and clears nasal passages naturally. Primrose Leaf's Breathe Q Plus. Call them today, 844-926-0007, or go to primroseleaf.com. Call 844-926-0007. It's time for you to breathe easy. A breakthrough in pain relief. Curamed Acute Pain Relief from Terry Naturally is an easy to swallow soft gel with results you can feel. Featuring new clinically proven technology, this triple action pain formula contains time-tested ingredients that will have you enjoying life again in no time. This groundbreaking formula is small in size, but big in results, and it comes with a complete money-back guarantee. A breakthrough in pain relief. Curamed Acute Pain Relief, only from Terry Naturally, the award-winning wellness destination for safe and effective pain relief. Love your results or your money back. Get Curamed Acute Pain Relief at your local health food store or TerryNaturallyVitamins.com. Occasional muscle pain due to exercise or overuse. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. My guest today is Dr. Richard Williams, who has served as the Director of Social Science with the Center for the Food Safety and Applied Nutrition at the FDA, that is the Food and Drug Administration. He recently served on the U.S. EPA Science Advisory Board and is the board chairman for the Center, of, Center for Truth in Science and a board member of the Institute of the Advancement of Food and Nutrition Sciences. Dr. Richard Williams has written a book called Fixing Food, telling the stories of what really happens inside the FDA. Want to know why our nation is so obese with no help in sight? Is the all-powerful FDA just looking out for themselves instead of you? Well, you're about to get an eye-opening truth as well as providing help to the consumer, which is you and me, to eat more safely and healthier. So let's welcome our very esteemed guest today, Dr. Richard Williams. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Well, Dr. Williams, what is this book all about, Fixing Food? 
Well, I worked at the FDA for 27 years. And um, one of the things that I found out when I worked at FDA was you're not supposed to write books about them. Uh, it's a very secretive organization. And as far as I know, I am the only person uh, ever to write a book about what goes on inside FDA, how they actually make decisions and some of the really I can only describe it as goofy stuff that goes on that uh, consumers become a victim of. Uh, so what this book is about is primarily stories about different issues and, and how we decided them and some of the funny stuff that happens. But it's also a serious book. It talks about the science that FDA uses and the economics and the, and the politics of FDA and really explains why we are where we are. And I can get into that as well. Well, let me ask you this. Do you consider yourself a FDA whistle whistleblower by chance or just more of an insider or giving us what really happens behind the scenes? Uh, could you repeat that? Because uh, you were frozen. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Uh, my, my question is, uh, do you consider yourself more as a FDA whistleblower or more of an insider to kind of let us know what happens behind the scenes? Well, I describe myself as a as an insider, letting you know what happens behind the screen. Uh, screen. But I also say, you know, um, I'm a recovering bureaucrat. <laughs> so I'm at about step 10 of the 12 step program. <laughs> <laughs> well, you 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 mentioned two things. You said there were some funny stories and then there's always the very serious side because the FDA is considered all powerful. What would be funny stories concerning the FDA? Well, you know, for example, um, right now, the FDA has taken over two years, and this is time spent away from food safety and nutrition, to try to decide whether or not almond milk, I don't know, we have all these different kinds of milks, should be allowed to be called, get it, hold with almond milk, because that might confuse consumers. And this is this thing called food standards that they do, and I was introduced to it early on, and I asked uh, about why we had a standard for canned pears. And I was brought in to the director's office, you know, and she said, let me explain to you. Suppose you went to a dinner party and they had pear salads. And I didn't know what a pear salad was. I was like, you know, 25 or so. She says, well, that's where you have a little slice of pear and some cottage cheese and a cherry on top of it. She goes, what if you were sitting next to somebody and they had a bigger canned pear than you did? Imagine how you'd feel. And I just sat there going, wait a minute. The FDA is here to make dinner parties run smoothly. So this is just like one thing. And then I was just some of the other stuff, like there's a, a bakery up in Massachusetts at FDA recently sent them a cease and desist letter. You know why? They listed love as one of their ingredients and FDA tested it and couldn't find any love. <laughs> Are you so it kidding? It's like that. Not Are one bit. <laughs> My gosh, you know, now, see, this is where it gets really stupid because the FDA should know the difference between what a real ingredient is and what marketing is. And to take the literal sense <laughs> of love not being an ingredient, that's wasting the taxpayer's time. Yeah. But it, I mean, it's not just that. It was more serious things. So we had a problem with fruit juices, apple juice in particular. Raw apple juice is when the apples, basically, you just pick them or they fall to the ground. And if they fell to, fall to the ground, they might have deer poop on them. So the guys will wash them off, they'll crush the apples, and they'll just sell, uh, basically, unpasteurized apple juice. That was a problem. It could be solved easily by cooking it, basically, pasteurization. Um, 
But one of the FDA scientists wanted to prove that all of the fruit juices were bad. So he looked at oranges. Now, or fresh orange juice, if you think about an orange, it has that peel around it. Nothing's going to happen to that orange juice. But what he did was he took them and he dunked oranges, whole oranges, under water, under purple dyed water for hours. Then he cut them in half and he saw little teeny micro cracks. And from that, he concluded that rainwater could contaminate oranges. And that's why we covered oranges. When he presented this to a whole bunch of microbiologists, they were howling at him. They were furious. Wait, you're going to cover oranges because of this BS study? And the answer was, yeah. Well, when they say cover, does that mean just coat the whole thing in wax and no, take no, it no. to the grocery that, store? That meant that they had to do all of these. Uh, they had to like start um, testing them, keeping records, very expensive stuff that raised the price of, of um, raw orange juice. Um, and essentially, again, if you thought it was a problem, all you had to do was pasteurize it. So, Well, see, this is where it gets really strange because a lot of people don't understand that, you know, apple juice is apple juice. But when you look at orange juice, orange juice is sold as a commodity. So right. it's on a whole different scale than apple juice. And it's very odd to me that orange juice is even listed as a commodity in the same category is oil and gas so it's it's very odd and to yeah. me messing around with the orange juice industry is really asking for trouble and of course in the end the american taxpayer has to pay more pri more pricing or higher prices when they go to the supermarket sure and i mean fda messes around with everything i mean most people aren't aware that for every dollar that a consumer spends little over 20 cents of that dollar one-fifth is covered by the FDA. They regulate that many products. Well, let me ask you this. How does the FDA, or what are some of the things the FDA does to justify their budget request to Congress every year? So for example, uh, over the last more than a decade now, probably 10 to 20 years, FDA goes to Congress every year and they have to make their budget request. And they say, one out of six Americans are getting food poisoning every single year. And we need to do something about it. You need to increase our budget. Congress has an incredibly short memory. They never look back at the budget request from last year. If they had done that and looked back every year for decades, they would say, wait a minute. You've been telling us one out of six people has been getting sick every single year. Uh, what'd you do with the money we gave you last year and the year before that and the year before that? Well, they don't ever do it. So they always just say, oh, that's terrible. We'll give you more money. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, your book is is an eye opener, and for a lot of you who are listening and watching right now, you're the American public, you're the consumer, and you know, and I know Dr. Williams that a lot of consumers may not want to dive into a book like this, but I think in today's time, especially with the public being very leery of the government's decision making. In the last few years, we need to be more educated and to know what's going on and what's actually not going on. Because, you know, the FDA falls into the same departments as the FCC, the FTC, and other departments where they look like they're doing things for public safety, but they're actually just sitting around on their butt doing nothing all year, just making stuff up. Yeah, I think I was told when I first got there, I was really upset by the first regulation I worked on. It was on hair dye, men's hair dye. And uh, I talked to my then boss and I said, you know, this regulation doesn't do anything. It doesn't help anybody. 
it's it's men aren't going to get cancer from putting this stuff on their hair and he goes richard i don't think you understand fda doesn't have to actually solve any problems we have to appear to solve problems that keeps congress and the press off our backs and i was absolutely horrified by that but i tell you over a 27 year career i found out there is a lot of truth in that you just know, have to appear to be solving problems yeah and you know it's almost like the fda is their own uh is their own press their own media company in a way because you can you can sit behind closed doors create a narrative and never have to solve what you create and and in some cases i'm wondering if the fda is actually causing more problems which basically they use against Congress and others to get funding to make it look like they're actually doing something. Yeah, well, Congress is like everybody else. They're sort of petrified of FDA. I mean, FDA has been called the most powerful regulatory agency in the world, and not without reason. Um, they intimidate everybody, and I think that's, that's actually a shame. We should never have somebody that works for us to actually intimidate us. Well, then, you know, in your book, you state that the FDA can make decisions behind closed doors and why those decisions are not getting us anywhere. Why? Well, I think part of the reason is when FDA was first formed in 1906, there was a good reason for it. All right. There was a book that came out, uh, The Jungle, that described rats running over meat, ending up the feces, ending up in meat, the rats being chopped up and ending up in meat. And there was also a chemist over in USDA. USDA has been around since the Civil War. And he said, you know what? Manufacturers are intentionally adding poisons to the food to make them look good or last longer. That was absolutely true. Harvey Wiley. That was 1906. Today, it's not the same. We don't have the same problems. First of all, we have the, pro the terrible problems associated with diet. Obesity being one that leads to chronic disease, heart disease, and diabetes. But we also have pathogens throughout. We have very complex food production systems today. Uh, and there are these pathogens like E. coli and salmonella that are everywhere. And FDA is still using the same techniques to try to get these things to solve these problems that they did in the past. So this whole idea that you can look at, you know, an entire industry, you can figure out, you know, what they're doing wrong. And then you can pass regulations and tell them to stop doing that and do something else. And then you go out and inspect them. It's just not working. So, for example, you know, we were we are still probably facing yet another government shutdown. The first thing you're going to read is, oh, my gosh, if we have a shutdown, uh, our food won't be safe. FDA won't be overlooking the food supply. Well, uh, no. FDA inspects plants, food plants about once every six years. And I used to liken that to my classes and say, well, that's like telling your child, you better keep your room clean and I'll be back once every six years to make sure you're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's it's not helpful. Um, and then FDA has the food label, um, which you know we've had for 30 years. It's so complex, nobody knows how to use it, uh, and it's essentially useless. So yeah. that's not helping our nutrition problems. No, not at all. Well, and you brought up a, a point in your book where you know their idea of making a great uh, food label or a nutrition food label is to bold the calories, because the general public, literally, the first thing that they will look at, if they're going to read it at all, is calories. Now, people in my industry, we have the tendency, as I, what I will do, is to look at the label, and I'll say, okay, let's look at the calories, but, but that's not, to me, the most important part. All right, what's the fat content? What's the carb content? Protein content? 
What's the sodium level versus the potassium level? You know, what's the sugar content? Is there a fiber? Is there any fiber in this product at all? So I kind of look at those things being on the more uh, nutritional side of things where the general public, you get some of them reading labels a little bit more, but like you said, it's so complex, they don't actually understand it. So what goes through the mind of the FDA when they're creating this label? Is it more of just getting the public to feel warm and fuzzy that they're doing their job and that they think they're actually looking out for them? You know, we've actually had the same food label since 1973. We actually required foods that made a claim to put on, put, put, put the, uh, the you know, ingredients and the nutrients on it. And the commissioner at the time in 1973 said, boy, you know, before we extend this food label to everybody, we had to test it to make sure consumers can use it. Uh, we forgot that. <laughs> so in the 1990s, the food label went on every every packaged product. Uh, and as it turns out, when you test it, people uh, can't use it. But why do we put it on? The nutritionists love it. It's th That's their baby. And they don't want anything to simplify it or anything like that because uh, that makes them feel good to have all that information on there. And if you ask people, they say, yeah, I like the food label. Well, yeah, there's nothing else. I mean, it's the food label or nothing right now, but there are other options. Well, let me ask you this, because uh, in the natural health industry, uh, you know, the big promotion is uh, this product is natural. This product is organic. This food is organic. But actually, the re what is the true reality between, let's say you walk into Whole Foods, you walk in the produce department and you see the little signs. This is conventional and then these are organic. Is there an actual difference between the two? Well, let me just start with natural, if I could. Um, I understand people wanting to eat natural because there is so much in the terms of very highly processed foods. But the problem is, is that we have been manipulating foods, plants now for 10,000 years, animals for the last two or 300 years. Everything you see in the supermarket has been manipulated in some sense through crossbreeding or perhaps by bombarding seeds with x-rays to get new, new, uh, new uh, varieties. So everything you see in, is essentially been um, dealt with by the hand of man. It's not really natural. There is a difference between highly processed and less processed, but it's not really natural. Um, I think the jury's still out on organic. Um, you know, I, I, if, if you're concerned about pesticides, that isn't going to help you, unfortunately, because 99.99% of all pesticides that you consume every year occur naturally in plants. Plants have to ward off, ward off bugs. Uh, and so they've been developing their own pesticides. For the amount of pesticides we spray on plants, um, every year USDA releases a report. They go out and look at, you know, how much are we, are we consuming in pesticide residues? Every year they say it's not enough to make a health difference. And every year, everybody ignores that. <laughs> yeah, and everybody will ignore it. Uh, well, let me ask you this, because reading your book, something kind of popped into my mind. For the last few years, I'm going to say probably more than five years now, you know, we keep hearing in the news that, uh, oh, we have a E. coli outbreak from this packaged salad. So when you go to the store, don't buy it. We hear that, you know, Chipotle, my gosh, they must have gone through two years of nothing but having uh, horrible bacterial problems or E. coli or salmonella, or whatever the problem was through their, their restaurants. And it was a very, it was a, a PR nightmare for them. Uh, Bluebell ice cream had a listeria uh, outbreak. 
why are we seeing more and more of these bacterial outbreaks through our food supply? The public is like, whose job is this to take care of? Is this the FDA? Is this the local health department? So who's, it, who's, who's to blame here? Well, yeah, first of all, like I said, FDA doesn't inspect plants that frequently. Um, the states actually inspect plants. They do about 85% of all the um, government inspections. So states are much more involved in that. But in point of fact, I mean, this is an extremely difficult problem. Plants inspect themselves. They hire inspectors to inspect themselves. Or if you're buying ingredients, you go and inspect your ingredient manufacturer. Here's why. As, ba as bad as these problems are, no plant, no food company wants to have a recall. It's incredibly expensive. You lose sales. You have the cost of being sued. Um, it's, it's enormously expensive. So they're, they're actually, they're the ones that are keeping our food as safe as it is. It's the plants themselves, not the government. Uh, but, so it's, ba it's basically self-policing, correct? It, yeah. I mean, it has to be. There's just not enough inspection um, oversight possible. However, I think there's a lot of um, new technologies that are coming along that are going to make our food safer. And I know a lot of people are nervous about these things. Um, but for example, the rennet that you get in cheese uh, is made by a, a process called precision fermentation. So these, this stuff is actually made in labs. It's 90% it's, uh, of all the cheese that you eat has it right now. But using precision, precision fermentation, you can make any food you can think of. Not just any existing food. You can make brand new foods from scratch. Um, and the nice thing is those things are made in laboratories and they're likely much more safe than what you get sort of by conventional methods. But there's wow. a long way to getting consumers to accept these things. Yeah, yeah, because there's, you know, a lot of people are getting to become very leery of whatever the government says today. And when it comes to the food supply, uh, you know, when the whole ordeal came out about the pink slime you know everybody was in a complete uproar and and for me i was mentally sitting there trying to figure out the math because if you think about the the numbers of how much beef does the american public consume per day and then you have to figure out is there enough cattle to actually go around to fulfill that daily need and my Dan and to me the answer would probably be no because we yeah. must we would have to have a trillion head of cattle in this country to, to probably keep up with the amount of beef that the american people consume on a daily basis yeah and the population is growing around the world we need to increase our food production by about half by half by 2050 so that's considerable can we do it with the existing um, land that we have now and resources? No, it literally is going to have to come from technology. And people are aware of that. But like I say, that I, I remember one food scientist saying, you know, people don't want to eat technology. And I get that. Uh, but the truth of the matter is you have been eating technology and you're probably going to do so much more so in the future. Well, why does the FDA fail so much in the areas of nutrition in America? I mean, you know, we can look at the numbers over and over again. Poor nutrition is everywhere. Um, poor diets. You know, I'm one of the type of people, uh, along with a lot of my colleagues, that we tell people, look, if you're going to go to the supermarket, eat, you know, buy your foods on the outer perimeter. 
It's death in the aisles. That's where all the processed foods are. We don't need all of that in our body because that's what leads to weight gain. But we're one of the most modernized countries in the world, but we're also one of the most obese countries in the world. And does the blame go to the FDA for that? Certainly part of it. It's really all the government programs are not working. I mean, if you think of USDA's MyPlate, um, that's kind of simple and stupid. It doesn't really do much for anybody. <laughs> but but more interesting, you know, every year since 1980, we've had the dietary guidelines. And these are these committees, esteemed committees that meet every five years and they put out guidelines. But one of the things we're finding out, and this is really interesting, is that the diet that might work for you would not work for me. We are all different in our dietary needs. And so when we put out these sort of, you know, general guidelines, here's how to use the food label, here's how to use my plate, here's what the dietary guidelines say. Unfortunately, it's not going to work for everybody. It's going to work for some. So now we're beginning to find out the people's genetics, their health status, their age, their microbiome. All of these things are important to determine what kind of diet is going to work for you. And so I talk a lot about that in the book. And there are now new ways coming out to help measure what's right for you. I, for example, have done one of these things and I found out that, you know, I'm great at carbs. So that's wonderful. But I'm not very good at saturated fat. So I have to avoid that. Well, then let me ask you this, because, you know, anytime we hear anything about food in the news, everybody's going to be looking at the FDA for the answer. And what is the biggest failure of the FDA right now? I think the biggest failure is FDA um, basically is blocking new technologies. Uh, and, and, and that is, those are the things I believe are going to save us. They have, they have pre-approval rights on a lot of these new technologies. And so it's very expensive to get something through FDA, like a medical device. And, and there are consumer devices that, like I was talking about, you know, personalizing yourself, consumer devices like a Fitbit. These are coming online all around the world. We have manufacturers uh, developing these things that are going to really help you. you. Forget about the food label. Thank God. Um, <laughs> however, they're medical devices and FDA has, says we're going to approve them and they're going to cost millions of dollars for, to improve every one. We're going to take years to approve them. And anytime you want to make an improvement in them, which is how technology works, you have to come back to us and we have to approve them again. This is really going to slow this technology down tremendously. So to me, that's one of the big failures of FDA. I think the other thing is, is that they're just, you know, they just don't have solutions. They ran out of solutions years ago. And they're not uh, and looking for any. No, they're not looking for any. And the problem is, is that, you know, in order to sort of keep Congress happy, they just have to keep passing regulations, whether or not they solve any problems or not. And what that does is it makes manufacturers have to spend a lot of time and money following those regulations, even if they're not doing any good, instead of spending their time doing something useful like creating better products or ensuring safety of their own plant. Yeah, because with, you know, and you bring up a great point that I didn't even think about when it came to technology. And, and the Fitbit is a perfect example. I would have never even thought that they would have to go through the FDA for approval. I just looked at it as something that was counting my steps or counting my heart rate. <laughs> I didn't even look at it as a medical device, but, but the FDA looks at it like a medical device, correct? A absolutely. They shut down 23andMe, and 23andMe was closed for quite some time. And finally, they said they came back and said, well, you can do stuff about ancestry, but nothing else. Now, in Europe, they 23andMe can do everything. They can, well, they, why did they yeah. shut them down here? 
um, because they said we you, we don't have enough evidence to show that you're um, that what you're telling people is the right thing. And the Europeans had no problem with it. Uh, we did. FDA is very very conservative in that way. Unfortunately, um, you know we have serious problems here. As you suggested, 42% of Americans right now are obese. By 2030, a Harvard study showed that one out of every two Americans will be obese. That means more diabetes, more heart disease, more cancer. Uh, this is this is really bad. I mean, right now we have an average of about 400,000 people a year that are dying from COVID. It's that number or higher from diet every year, every single year. You know, you bring up a very vital point here. It's a vicious circle that has no end. The FDA is called the Food and Drug Administration. If you're not going to focus on improving the nutrition and the health of the American public, such as, you know, reducing diabetes, because type 2 can be reversed the proper way, preventing heart disease, and the list goes on. But a lot of those conditions can be directly linked to the foods that we eat. So the FDA is not looking at a balance. They're just looking at keeping this vicious circle in a never-ending pattern because they look at the food industry, but they're catering heavily to the drug industry. Yeah, and they're, look, they're really more about keeping their reputation intact, you know, and keeping the money flowing and getting more power. That's really, that's really what FDA is mostly about. Um, which is why, you know, at one point when my center director said, Richard, I don't think you're a real FDA. I thought, boy, that's really perceptive of you. And I feel pretty good about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yeah, because, you know, I mean, how long did it take you working at the FDA until you realized that this whole place was a mess? Uh, I was about halfway into my career and I just, you know, I started to wonder, what am I doing? We're not accomplishing a single thing. And this is my career. Uh, and so by the end, after 27 years, I thought, I got to start writing a book because people need to know this. They, they really do, because there are better ways to go. And so I was extremely frustrated um, by the very end. Well, you mentioned in the book and you used it as an example. So kind of explain to us why that uh, you use the FDA's seafood safety regulation uh, as an example um, about foodborne disease. Uh, can you kind of walk us through that a bit? Sure. Um, so I was just told that we were working on a seafood regulation, but it's being worked on not by our center, but at the commissioner's level. So I went out to see the guy who was writing it. And I, you know, I said, so tell me what this is all about. And he said, well, this is because Congress, there are um, uh, people in Congress that want to transfer seafood from FDA to USDA. Horrors. Good Lord, because that way, you know, we would lose seafood. And I said, well, okay, the regulation you're writing, will it make seafood safer? He goes, no, I just told you what it's intended to do. We have to keep it, you know, in, in FDA. And I said, you know, I don't know that that's going to make it through clearance if it doesn't. And he said, well, who's going who's gonna to deal with that? I said, unfortunately, I have to. Uh, and it was a nightmare. Um, we, it literally didn't make food safer. I mean, the biggest problem was raw oysters from the Gulf. Uh, but uh, this had all these processing, you know, and record keeping things. Frankly, if you take oysters from the Gulf and they're already contaminated, when you take them out of the warm waters, they go right on the plate, right? They go right from the waters to the restaurants and people eat them and they get sick. 
So it well, didn't do anything for that. Well, okay. Well, then that brings up another ugly truth. If the oysters are contaminated, is that the FDA's problem or is that the EPA's problem? No, this is all FDA. And a point of fact, um, you know, FDA in the States have been trying to do something about oysters since 1923. We've actually had an organization try it and we've never succeeded. You actually can, you know, cook them a little bit, pasteurize them, and that helps. But uh, if you are immunocompromised, you know, if you're like an alcoholic or something, um, which, you know, down in the Gulf, <laughs> that's a problem. Um, you know, you're going to get sick if you eat these things and you get some highly contaminated ones. Uh, that's just the way it is, unless, you know, they decide to cook them. But um, there's a culture around raw oysters and a lot of people don't want to do that. <laughs> exactly. Well, let me ask you, this. how does the FDA avoid government oversight? Uh, it's easy. Congress, like I said, Congress is afraid of them. Uh, they don't pay any attention to results. This has been a huge problem. It's not just FDA. This is across the government. Congress doesn't really care about whether or not these agencies get results. They either like the agencies or they don't. If they like them, they want to give them more money and more power. Um, so uh, FDA doesn't have to work too hard to keep Congress at bay. They do. They go and testify. In fact, I recite uh, uh, one testimony that uh, one of the attorneys went and he gave up. He went up there and he was sort of speaking very technically. And uh, at the end of it, I, uh, I guess it was the deputy commissioner came up and shook his hand. He goes, wow, you're really confused. And they had no idea what you were talking about. That was great. <laughs> and that was that was perfect. And, and I, I experienced the same thing. We testified before Congress. Uh, it was on the food label. And the senator just yelled at us. And, and he said, now you're going to go back and you're going to find out whether or not we actually need to give companies more time to put this food label on, aren't you? And uh, the person who was leading the meeting from FDA said, yeah, absolutely. And I, we walked out of there, walking across the street, you know, to our office. I said, wait a minute, I have to do that. Are we actually going to do that? He goes, nah, they don't really care. <laughs> See, that, that, that's why there's so much red tape and nothing ever gets done in Washington. But I want to ask you this, with the FDA and in your book, you say that they keep large food firms happy by putting their smaller competitors at a disadvantage. What is that disadvantage? So this is a sad story. So even since 1980, we've had laws that say that you have to look at small businesses and provide relief if it's warranted. FDA almost never does that. So what happens is large companies love regulation. So they'll come to FDA and say, here are some of the things we want you to mandate by regulation, which is by law. Um, and what it does, it's usually things that they're already doing, but would be very expensive for small businesses to do. So if you think about it, if it's a machine, a big fixed cost, and you're making billions of cans of food a year, you spread that over all those cans, it's less than a penny. But suppose you're a small business and you're only putting out a thousand products a year. It could be enormously expensive and you can't pass the cost on to consumers. So that's how big firms keep smaller competitors basically from competing with them. FDA is more than happy to help them because that keeps them from going to Congress and testifying against them. In fact, a lot of large companies will go and testify that FDA should get more money because they love that. Yeah, it sounds like somebody's scratching somebody's back for an extra favor down the road. But, yep. you know, I've heard stories to where when the whole organic thing got to be really, really big, where conventional farms are those major corporations that basically fund a lot of those conventional farms basically started 
going to the FDA saying, hey, uh, why do they get to call their foods organic? And basically started confusion saying that there wasn't much difference between their product and the other. So in a way, that's the big corporations trying to get rid of the smaller competition because there's a whole new industry there that they that the big companies actually wanted uh, a, a piece of. So in a yeah. way, they were causing problems because they technically wanted to take it over and water down the word natural and organic is from what I heard. Is that true? Yeah, I'm not familiar with that specific example, but you know, it, it's actually worse than that because there's a, a famous economist who, who wrote this article called Bootleggers and Baptists. So who wanted to ha have prohibition? Well, the bootleggers, because then they didn't have any competition, and the Baptists, because they hated alcohol, right? This happens, this happens to, in government too. So you get like the seafood regulation, you got the big companies who actually like the seafood regulations because it put a lot of small businesses out of, out of business. But then you've got all the activists, the food activists go, yeah, you got to make seafood safer. So the, when these people combine, FDA just loves that. Then that means they can pretty much do whatever they want. And who, who suffers? Small businesses suffer and consumers suffer because they pay higher prices for products that aren't any safer. Well, why does the FDA get away with manipulating science? Um, because there's nobody to check them. Uh, the only check on FDA generally within the executive branch is from the Office of Management and Budget. They're basically looking at the economics, not the science. Uh, they don't have any scientists working for them. Uh, and other than that, companies generally don't want to uh, go after them because um, you don't go after the FDA for things like that. So they get to, they get to do all these things and, and essentially get away from with them. Yeah, and the courts, is, the courts show lots of deference to FDA, so no, no help from the courts either, unfortunately. Well, Dr. Williams, I pray that your book, Fixing Food, that uh, will be in the hands of local and state officials, hopefully some of the federal officials as well, to really dive into your book, <clears throat> read it, understand that change has to be made, and I know that's basically going up against Godzilla and King Kong at the same time. <laughs> yeah, that, that's right. That's what I called it when, when we had the little oversight group in the Office of Management Budget and going up against 300,000 regulators. I, I call it, yeah, Godzilla, basically. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for the regulars, David versus Godzilla. <laughs> so what do you hope to accomplish with this book? What do you want to see happen? First of all, I'd like to see people be aware of what's going on and, and, and the fact that we can do better and start the conversation. I'd like to have people read it, start the conversation, get interested. Look, I didn't write this for uh, scientists. I didn't write it. I wrote it for, for regular people. I wrote it to be entertaining. And so that's the first thing. I hope people are entertained when they read it. But I think they'll also come away with a little bit of understanding of the politics, the science and the economics behind what goes on at FDA. See, and that's what I liked about the book. You aren't playing politics. You're not choosing a side. You're not having any political affiliation with anyone. This was you putting out information that you deem that all of us should know. The consumer, the local officials, the state officials, even the federal officials. And you know, I think, and, and I pray, Dr. Williams, that your book will somehow create a grassroots um, effort for for the American people, but also to start a grassroots effort into 
letting the FDA know, hey dude, the jig is up and you need to start changing your ways and hopefully we'll see better safety uh, and better health from our food supply. Well, I think that would be great. And um, if people want to uh, write me or, or, or look at my website, richardawilliams.com, you can buy the book there, but you can also talk to me. I mean, I'm happy to talk to anybody. And I love to hear stories about the FDA. So oh. if you have stories about the FDA, please, you know, go on my website. Um, you can contact me. I'll even give you my e email address. It's Richards Regs, R-E-G-S, uh, at uh, dot com. Excuse me, at gmail.com. So okay. uh, contact Richard me. Yeah, Richard Regs, R-E-G-S. Richards, R-I-C-H-A-R-D-S, Richards Regs at gmail.com. All right. That's going to so be at the bottom of the screen. Yeah, and then definitely it's <laughs> richardawilliams.com, and your book is available there. Is uh, your book also available in other places? It's available on Amazon and bookstores and wherever you want to get it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Richard Williams has written the most amazing book about the FDA called Fixing Food. Sometimes you got to start at the federal level, but guess what, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for us to start at the local level. So many of you, I know some of you, you want to see change in this country. Well, guess what? I think you've just been handed the manual to start your little grassroots effort to truly make change in this country. Because I can tell you one thing, when it comes to our food, people listen. So, uh, Pick up a copy of Dr. Richard Williams' brand new book, Fixing Food, and FDA Insider's Look and Reveal to What Really Goes On Behind Closed Doors at the FDA. Uh, again, Dr. Williams, we've only touched lightly, but uh, you kind of got me riled up a little bit. But at the same time, <laughs> you know, with the FDA, there's a little bit of funny stuff going on there that we could maybe laugh about and some funny stuff going on that kind of angers us at the same time. And I hope it does both. <laughs> hey, that works because funny works and so does anger. So ladies and gentlemen, again, Dr. Richard Williams, brand new book, Fixing Food. Go to Amazon or go to his website at richardawilliams.com. And like he said, you could actually email him and talk to him if you have any questions or maybe you got your own story about the FDA that you would like to share with Dr. Williams. So again, Dr. Williams, thank you so much for sharing us with your information and your time today. Thank you, Dr. Bond. Thank you for having me on. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Richard Williams, the author of Fixing Food. And as for me, this doctor will be right back after these messages. We live in an age where the health of your immune system cannot and should not be ignored. Primrose Leaf Immuno 6 contains six powerful herbal compounds that target every area of your immune system, from the bone marrow to your thymus gland and more. You don't have to live with weak immunity. Call Primrose Leaf today, 844-926-0007. That's 844-926-0007. Take control of your health and your immune system with Primrose Leaf's Immuno 6 today. A breakthrough in pain relief. Curamed Acute Pain Relief from Terry Naturally is an easy-to-swallow soft gel with results you can feel with clinically proven technology. Curamed Acute Pain Relief is a triple-action pain formula with the most clinically studied bioavailable curcumin in the world. Get Curamed Acute Pain Relief at your local health food store or terrynaturallyvitamins.com. Occasional muscle pain due to exercise or overuse. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. 
There are three common forms of hair loss in women, but no matter what type you or someone you know may have, none of them are something you should have to suffer with. Primrose Leaf's Hair Active helps slow down hair loss and provides your hair and your scalp with proper nutrition. Join the thousands of people who are back to combing and brushing their hair again. Hair Active strengthens hair, improves texture, and increases fullness. Hair Active provides the essential vitamins, minerals, and phytonutrients necessary for healthy hair and nails. Call Primrose Leaf today, 844-926-0007 for Hair Active, the safe, natural, effective way to improve the health of your hair and scalp. Call now, 844-926-0007 or visit us at primroseleaf.com. Because many of you were emailing me asking me questions about your scalp. And it all went from a past episode I did about hair loss and the three different forms of hair loss. But many of your questions have to do with the scalp, so we're going to address those scalp problems. Many of the emails came from men and others came from women, so we're going to tackle both of the issues. And believe it or not, it really just comes down to one. So let's look at the symptoms real quick. Many of you said that you have an itchy scalp all day long. Some of them, it bothers you at night. Burning scalp. The burning scalp, this is extremely uncomfortable. I know exactly what you're talking about. I know what it feels like. It even goes through the night and disrupts your sleep. Bumps on the scalp. Many of you complain about the little bumps that appear uh, ever so often on the back of the head, on the sides of the head. Uh, they can be very painful. Um, also flaky scalp, dandruff, that's an easy, that's an easy remedy. Uh, but all of these symptoms lead to hair loss, but we also cannot ignore hormone imbalance in both men and women. And believe it or not, the hormone problem is the same. And we're going to get into that. Okay. So these are the issues that all of you emailed me about because when it comes to hair loss, we can't ignore the health of the scalp. Okay. So with an itchy scalp, just, you know, how many of you, now especially men, we like to wash our hair every single day. Women, sometimes they'll wash your hair every day. Some of them will do it every other day or every couple of days. Make sure you're using a shampoo that literally cleans the hair, the scalp, gets down into the hair follicle section so that way you clean out any of the DHT that builds up around the hair follicle because what will happen is that it will actually choke out your hair. So let me, let me show you something really quick. Okay, here's your hair, okay? Here's your scalp, okay? Right at the bottom is when you get a lot of the dirt buildup, but this is also a DHT buildup, okay? So what happens is when the DHT builds up, your hair falls out. What replaces it is a thinner, smaller hair, eventually till there's no hair. So we wanna stop it immediately, and it's extremely easy to do. So let's look at some of the nutrients real quick because we're talking about scalp problems, okay? All right, vitamin A. This is the number one skin health vitamin in the world. We, we have to have vitamin A. Most people now are deficient in vitamin A. Your diet is poor because you live on hydrogenated oils and all of these things have no vitamins. Just because you go to the grocery store and you buy a box of Fruit Loops and it says it contains eight essential vitamins and minerals, please, that does not give you good health, all right? Just because it's in there doesn't mean you're going to benefit from it because the sugar will nullify all of it, all right? So now I know some of you are thinking, but I like Fruit Loops. And some of you are like, but I like tricks. 
you know, or Count Dracula. I don't know, whatever you eat. Maybe eat, uh, I don't know, what do you call it? Is it shredded wheat? That, that's a better, just don't do the frosted one. All right, vitamin D3. This works with vitamin A. These are your two fat-soluble nutrients. Vitamin D3, you can get it from the sun, or you can take it as a supplement. But I suggest both. Why? Because the body will use vitamin D3 from the sun and in the supplement form in different ways. Get both. If you go outside to get some sunshine and you're at the house, go outside in your bare feet. Walk in the grass. That's grounding. And you're going to feel so much better when you do that. Next, vitamin B12. Anytime you are under stress, you lower the levels of B12 in your body and your hair falls out. Plain and simple, okay? Folic acid. Folic acid and B12 are needed to make sure you don't end up with anemia, okay? But at the same time, they're needed for a healthy scalp. Biotin. We all know by now that biotin is a vital, vital nutrient for the hair. It actually helps the hair to grow. Selenium. This is really cool. Selenium, if you're low in selenium, you can end up with a flaky scalp. I'll show you why. So these two are related. You ever go to the grocery store, you're looking at all the shampoos, and you're like, hmm, should I buy Celsin Blue? You know what the cell part of Celsin Blue stands for? Selenium. That's why it stops dandruff. Selenium as a nutrient is one of the most important trace minerals in, for, the whole, for the human body that we need. It is needed for your scalp. It is needed for your liver. It's needed for your thyroid. It's needed for your immune system. 200 micrograms a day, you need it every single day, okay? Remember that. MSM. Remember how many people used to take MSM because it was kind of like a... Uh, a remedy for pain relief when it came to arthritis. Well, it's a sulfur type compound, but this is what is needed for a healthy skin. And I want to say this, I always have to say this, nobody on the face of the earth is allergic to sulfur. Many people say, well, I'm allergic to a drug called sulfa. Right, sulfa is not sulfur. Two completely different things. One's a drug, one's a mineral. If you're not allergic to eggs, you're not allergic to sulfur, okay? This is vital for healthy skin. And you, you take this, your skin will clear up, believe it or not. Then there's PABA. PABA is, a, is found in the B vitamin complex family. It's needed for healthy skin. People who are low, low PABA may end up with a condition called vitiligo, where the pigment of the skin goes away. PABA has actually been known as a remedy for that, but people are still trying to figure out how to stop it. So let's get to... The burning scalp, the bumps on the scalp, and the hair loss and the hormonal balance. Horsetail grass root contains silica. Silica is a trace mineral that makes the hair shaft very, very, very strong, okay? You want it to be strong, but here's the cool thing. It's also part of all of our connective tissue in our body. You take horsetail grass root, you end up with stronger and longer fingernails, your skin will be better, uh, your hair will be stronger. So ladies, if you complain of your hair breaking off, horsetail grass root is the remedy. These two here, saw palmetto and nettle leaf. These are the ones that address DHT, dihydrotestosterone. When we have testosterone in our body, it can convert to dihydrotestosterone, 
which causes your hair to fall out. If the levels are so high, now, and men, if you were on testosterone therapy, remember, you need to take these two herbs and some other ones to get that DHT to go down so you don't end up with hair loss. You don't end up with bumps on the scalp. You don't end up with a burning scalp. And for some, you may end up with an itchy scalp. All three of, the, all three of these are actually linked together. Okay? So these are the all-natural remedies. Now, the other thing that I love to add is, is essential oils like omega-3s. Omega-3s are vital for every cell in the body. But right now, when we're talking about scalp problems, all of these nutrients will greatly improve the health of your scalp. And you will literally notice it. Now, here's the thing about this. All of these nutrients are found in a supplement from Primrose Leaf called Hair Active. You take as directed. Here's the cool thing. How do you know if it's working? We all know that we notice hair loss more in the shower. How do you know? You look down at the drain, okay? Many times you notice that when you're washing your hair, you don't feel a whole lot of hair coming out. That means you know it's working. Hair Active from Primrose Leaf, I've had so many people contact me telling me how much they absolutely love it. They heard about it on our show and it's working for them. That's all that matters. But here's the cool thing. It wasn't just made for hair loss. It was made to improve people who have scalp problems. You have to address the health of the scalp to address hair loss. Not only that, you also have to address what's going on inside the body. So Hair Active works in areas of addressing a hormonal imbalance caused by too much DHT. And many people have told me, Dr. Bond, I've been taking the Hair Active and I found out that when I went to the doctor to have a hormonal panel done, my DHT, DHT levels are now much lower and in a lower normal range. You know what that means? No more hair fallout. If your hair don't fall out, that means your hair can start growing back. I actually had a lady tell me, she goes, I've noticed my hair has stopped falling out. My hair is thicker because I've been taking the hair active from Primo's Leaf on a regular basis. So here's what you do. You call 844-926-0007 or go to primroseleaf.com. They have a, an incredible special on the Primrose Leaf Hair Active, but you have to call to find out what that great special is. Hey, stick with me, because when I come back, we're going to talk about cortisol in relation to hair loss, but I'm also going to give you some deep, dark, cool secrets to stop the aging process, because hey, I personally want to look as young as I can for as long as I can, and we can all join that group at the same time. I'll be right back. There are three common forms of hair loss in women, but no matter what type you or someone you know may have, none of them are something you should have to suffer with. Primrose Leaf's Hair Active helps slow down hair loss and provides your hair and your scalp with proper nutrition. Join the thousands of people who are back to combing and brushing their hair again. Hair Active strengthens hair, improves texture, and increases fullness. Hair Active provides the essential vitamins, minerals, and phytonutrients necessary for healthy hair and nails. Call Primrose Leaf today, 844-926-0007 for Hair Active, the safe, natural, effective way to improve the health of your hair and scalp. Call now, 844-926-0007 or visit us at primroseleaf.com.
Are you stressed, full of anxiety, your mind never seems to be calm or at peace? These are all caused by elevated cortisol levels. Cortisol is the hormone responsible for stress and a rare hormone and that is one of the few that increases with age. It is believed that high cortisol levels lead to accelerated aging and over a lifetime, cortisol damages your brain, muscle, bone, skin, and yes, your immune system. Gerovital 3 is used for reducing stress by lowering cortisol, anti-aging, mild depression, emotional stability. Call Primrose Leaf today for Gerovital 3, the real GH3. Call 844-926-0007. Buy two bottles and get your third bottle free. Buy today and share with a friend. Buy two bottles of Gerovital 3 and get your third bottle free. 844-926-0007. We all deserve to age gracefully and with our memory sharp and our immune system functioning at its best. That's our show for this week. Be sure to visit drwardbond.com for more of our daily television show, weekly radio show, and podcast. We'll be back next week. The Dr. Ward Bond Show is sponsored by the Whitfield Media Group.